0: Hello everyone and welcome to the audio news from Archaeologica. I'm Laura Kennedy. Rick Pettigrew is away, so I'll be telling you about four of the best stories posted online this past week by our partner, Archaeologica.org. Here are the headlines in archaeological and historical news from April 2nd through the 8th, 2023. Our first story comes from Florida, where a construction project in Miami's Brickell district has uncovered artifacts going back 7,000 years, along with postholes, grave sites, human remains, and other evidence of substantial settlement by the Nequesta Native American tribe. As reported by the Miami Herald, the prehistoric discovery is extensive and significant enough to merit protection from development. A new joint analysis by independent experts and the city's Historic Preservation Office presented in a public hearing this week could aid the effort by archaeologists, area residents, and Native American activists to spare at least some of the ancient indigenous site. Experts say this site, part of an extensive town on the south bank of the Miami River built some 2,500 years ago, may be the most significant in a series of archaeological discoveries at the mouth of the river over the past 25 years. The town disappeared with the end of the first Spanish occupation of Florida in 1763. Archaeologists, including experts from the University of Miami, say a cluster of stone spear points found at the site show indigenous occupation on the riverbank could date as far back as 7,000 years ago. Ongoing excavation of roughly half the site has uncovered more than 350 postholes carved into the limestone bedrock, marking the foundations of prehistoric structures. Their patterns include one and possibly two circles. One is reminiscent of the Miami Circle, the ancient Tequesta foundation of a ceremonial structure thought to be around 2,000 years old, preserved as a state park across the avenue. Once contiguous, the two sites were split apart by later construction. Together, they represent thousands of years of previously undocumented history of early indigenous settlement in Miami. Formal designation of the site as historically significant would freeze permitting and construction on most of it for weeks if not months as a preservation plan is finalized. The finds are also complicating plans to build three residential skyscrapers on the site. Two parcels the developer plans to build on lie in a zone where the developer is required to carry out archaeological investigation. The dig director, veteran South Florida archaeologist Robert Carr, has suggested intact sections of midden, ancient refuse heaps that held many of the finds, could be preserved as part of the development. The city's preservation office is consulting with archaeologists from the University of Miami and the Florida Public Archaeology Network at the University of West Florida in Pensacola on further analysis. According to William Pestle, chairman of the University of Miami's anthropology department, the site was occupied by a succession of indigenous people starting in the Archaic Period, some 5,000 years before the date of the Miami Circle. The finds demonstrate that the Tequesta tribe's principal settlement was bigger than previously believed. While Spanish accounts put it only on the river's north bank, finds now show that at its peak, the town spread along both banks. Among the most abundant finds at the related site are post holes cut into the bedrock to support buildings and boardwalks, as well as animal bones, shells, seeds, wood, pottery shards, and stone tools used to make wooden structures and canoes. The new animal finds likely point to ancient feasts and ceremonies at the site. Human remains have been removed for reburial elsewhere under the supervision of the Seminole tribe of Florida. Previously, public action protected the Miami Circle from condo development in 1999. Another Tequesta Circle and other antiquities across the river were protected from the development of the Met Square in 2014. Next we go to Israel, where jewelry from a burial cave near Jerusalem has gone on exhibit for the first time since being discovered 50 years ago. Dating from the Roman era, about 1800 years ago, the gold and jeweled objects include a necklace with the symbol of the Roman goddess Luna. This moon goddess amulet would have been worn to ward off evil spirits and could have been meant to protect a young girl in the afterlife as reported by IFL Science, the trove was first discovered in 1971 inside a lead coffin at a Roman-era burial site on Mount Scopus in northeast Jerusalem. The find included gold earrings, a hairpin, a gold pendant, gold and carnelian beads, and a glass bead. Either the ornaments were placed alongside the remains of a young girl by her relatives, or she was buried wearing the jewelry. According to Eli Escosido director of the Israel Antiquities Authority, the jewelry gives a snapshot from an era when this part of the world was ruled by the Roman Empire. For a little over a century, from 6 to 132 AD, the area was known as the Roman province of Judea. Late Roman Jerusalem, renamed Elia Capitolina, had a mixed population, including people from different parts of the Roman Empire, The historical setting of the burial site indicates that it might have been created by newcomers to the city who had arrived from elsewhere in the empire, holding on to their non-Jewish, pagan beliefs. Many of the items at the site are characteristic of young girls' burials. The jewelry was exhibited to the public for the first time at the 48th Archaeological Congress in Jerusalem on April 3rd. The event was organized by the Israel Antiquities Authority, the Israel Exploration Society, and the Israel Archaeological Association. Our third story takes us to Egypt and to a grisly find of severed hands. As reported by the website Science Alert, a pit holding a dozen human hands was found in the courtyard of an ancient Egyptian palace. Inscriptions and reliefs from Egyptian tombs and temples depict mutilated or amputated hands as early as the New Kingdom, from the 16th to 11th centuries BC. According to the authors of the new study, this is the first time archaeologists have found and analyzed remains of amputated hands. A team of German and Austrian experts examined the hands, found in 2011 in three pits in the courtyard of a Hyksos palace at Avaris, now known as Tel el Tel in northeastern Egypt. The palace dates to the 15th dynasty, from 1640 to 1530 BC, when the Hyksos kings ruled over Lower and Middle Egypt all the way to the city of Quse, today known as al The Hyksos are thought to have been the invaders of Egypt, coming from areas east of the Mediterranean. Their kings would have been Egypt's first foreign rulers. The 12 hands found were all right hands from at least 11 males and possibly one female, which may indicate that women and warfare were at a time not worlds apart. According to the research team, multiple incomplete hands and fingers were also found in the pits, possibly representing up to 18 hands in total. The team, led by paleopathologist Julia Greske from the German Archaeological Institute in Berlin, ruled out taphonomic causes due to processes of preservation, burial, decay, and fossilization of corpses, such as deferential decay, for the unusual occurrence and placement of the severed hands. While it's not uncommon for body parts to drift apart over time, separated by flooding, erosion, or actions of scavengers, the researchers think that the severed hands were deliberately placed. Their findings show that the hands were severed from the forearms, then placed in the ground, laid mainly on their palmar sides, with their fingers widely splayed. Proximal row carpal bones, a set of eight small bones in the wrist that connect hands to forearms, were found to be intact in six of the twelve hands examined. No lower arm bone fragments were found, suggesting that the hands were deliberately amputated by slicing through the joint capsule and cutting across the tendons that cross the wrist. When the hands were discovered, they were still soft and flexible, indicating they were buried either before the onset of rigor mortis, a few hours after death, or shortly after it had passed, about one to three days later. This suggests the individuals were dismembered during or shortly before a ceremony, with the hands placed in the pit once rigor mortis had passed. According to the researchers, right-hand amputation was practiced in Egypt by the Hyksos some 50 to 80 years before it was recorded in tomb hieroglyphs. The Egyptians adopted this custom by the time of King Amos, who completed the expulsion of the Hyksos from Egypt and founded the 18th dynasty. A relief at Amos' temple in Abydos shows a pile of hands. According to the authors, one of the most important questions this study proposes to answer is whether the mutilation was a form of punishment or a trophy for military victories, or met some other purpose. The researchers argue that the new evidence, including the location, treatment, and possible positioning of the severed hands, argues against the hypothesis of punishment. The burial pits were located in the grand forecourt of the palace, in front of the throne room. The team think their placement in such a prominent public location indicates how widespread this trophy-taking practice was. The research was published in Scientific Reports. We end with a culinary story from South Africa, where researchers from the University of Witwatersrand in Johannesburg have found new evidence that people may have been eating land snails 170,000 years ago, very large snails. Shell fragments of land snails from the Akatinidae family, which can grow to be 16 centimeters or 6.3 inches long, were found in many layers of border cave, located on a cliff near South Africa's border with Eswatini. The cave has seen several digs since the 1930s, but it was during work conducted in 2015 and 2019 that shell fragments of giant land snails were found. As reported by IFL Science, the shell fragments appeared in multiple layers of sediment, dating from 70,000 to 170,000 years ago. They come in a range of beige and brown hues, as well as matte gray, created when the shells were heated. Other potential food item remains, such as seeds and bones, were also found. Although invertebrate animals, including snails, make up more than 95% of Earth's biodiversity, they are often overlooked in archaeological research. This is partly because they are seen as marginal elements of human diets, but also because their small size means little of them tends to remain to show up in the archaeological record. The border cave land snails left countless fragments of shells, showing they could have been eaten. Alternatively, they could have been used for jewelry or in religious rituals. Research from other sites, however, shows snails being eaten 30,000 years ago in Europe and around 40,000 years ago in Africa. According to study author Marine Wojciechak, Terrestrial mollusks are an excellent source of nutrients. They're non-hazardous and easy to collect, and they can be stored successfully for a significant period before being consumed. They are simple to prepare, and they're easily digested when cooked. To test their hypothesis that the snails were eaten, the team took shells from modern land snails and broke them into fragments of different sizes and colors. The fragments were experimentally heated for periods of time, from 5 minutes to 36 hours. Exposure to higher temperatures and longer periods of heating turned previously white fragments into a more snow-white shade, while beige and brown samples turned white and gray. The heating process also took the gloss off the shells and left signs of micro-cracking. The same patterns were present on the prehistoric shells found at Border Cave, The possibility that the shells appeared at the site through natural behavior, such as the snails burrowing into the soil where they were accidentally heated by a fire, cannot be ruled out, but human agency does seem to be the most likely cause. This study was published in Quaternary Science Reviews. That wraps up the news for this week. For more stories and daily news updates, visit Archaeologica on the World Wide Web at archaeologica.org, where all the news is history. Also, be sure to check out our new subscription video streaming platform, Heritage Broadcasting Service, at heritagetac.org. I'm Laura Kennedy, and I'll see you next week. This has been the audio news from Archaeologica, presented by the Archaeology Channel. Be sure to check back with us next week for our next edition. You can spread the word about the audio news by clicking on the Share This link on our audio news webpage or just by telling your friends. Thanks very much for stopping by.